Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me on this episode. My name is John Whitaker. And here on the Bible in Life, we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. And what I mean by that is Bible teaching, theology, wrestling with questions about the Bible and following Jesus, all of that in the language of everyday life, blue jeans and t-shirts and just right like the language of everyday life so that we can really understand the Bible right in the context of everyday life so that we can follow Jesus where we live day in and day out. That's the heart of the Bible and Life podcast and that's what we're all about on the show. So thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, here on this episode, what I want to do is really beginning with this episode is I want to begin looking at some snapshots from the early church found in the book of Acts. And part of what's driving me on that is I am uh, just beginning to walk through the book of Acts on the listener's commentary. And if you haven't checked out the listener's commentary yet, that's where I teach straight through New Testament books, piece by piece, chunk by chunk, in order, really to get the lay of the land in its original context uh, so we can really understand that book. And that's what I do in the listener's commentary. Well, I've finished 10 New Testament books so far on the commentary and just finished Luke. And if you just finished Luke, you got to go on to Acts because Acts is volume two of Luke's gospel. So I'm going to be working through Acts on the listener's commentary. And it's going to obviously take a long time. Acts is a big book. But I, I want to use the same preparation and the same thinking to just hit some of my favorite stories out of the book of Acts. Obviously, this will go at a much faster pace than the commentary. It took me eight months to get the Gospel of Luke done. So that, that gives you any idea. It's going to take me a while to get uh, the book of Acts done as well. But I want to hit a handful of just some key stories, my favorite stories, stories I think are super challenging and powerful for us as the church today, as we try to follow Jesus today. So that's what I want to do over the next handful of weeks here on The Bible and Life. And on this episode specifically, I want to look at a snapshot from the book of Acts found right at the end of Acts chapter 2. So let me read the snapshot. And then we'll set it in its context, and then we'll just draw out some reflections and implications for the church today. At the end of Acts chapter 2, here's what happens. Peter has preached a sermon, and the response to the sermon was incredible, like powerful, powerful sermon and amazing response. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says this, So then those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, 3,000 persons. So about 3,000 people were baptized here on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and became followers of Jesus. And really, this is the birthday of the church. The first church is born right there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost with 3,000 baptisms. And here's then what happens, verse 42. And they, the 3,000 and the apostles, right, and the 120 that we get mentioned in chapter 1 of Acts, they're all together now as that first church. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all of those who had believed were together and held all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. 
And day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, there's a handful of technical exegetical details, and we'll save those for the commentary, listeners' commentary on Acts. But this text is really a powerful description of what life was like in that first church. Now, a couple things just to qualify that is we don't see this kind of description happening in every church throughout the book of Acts or in every church in the New Testament letters, at least the exact same way. But the principles that we see here in Acts 2, we do see playing out in various churches in Acts. We do see uh, being uh, uh, really practiced or uh, we see the church called to in the letters. And so the principles that we see here is really super powerful for us to reflect on as to what would it look like to be a, a church like this church in Acts chapter 2. Another kind of setup reflection is this, is this happens on the day of Pentecost. And so you got to read the whole story to read this in context to maybe hear one of the major things Luke is saying to us through this story. The day of Pentecost, the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in languages they have not learned, and people are hearing them speak about the mighty things of God. Some are amazed and want to know more. Some just mock them and want to discount them. Peter then gives this sermon explaining what's going on. No, this is a fulfillment of prophecy where God has poured out a spirit like he said he would in the days of the Messiah, which means Jesus is the Messiah, which means the Messianic ages uh, come, which means putting to death Jesus was a, a gross, gross error in judgment, a great sin that you need to be forgiven of and repent of, uh, which means salvation is now available. And Peter says and which means the Holy Spirit is now available to all of God's people. In fact, he says, if you repent and are baptized, you can be forgiven for your sins, and you can receive the Holy Spirit yourself, he says. And so then we, right out of that, we get 3,000 people being baptized, and we get this description of what life was like in this early church in Jerusalem. And what that means is this, that one of the things Luke wants us to see is that when God's Spirit is poured out. And when his spirit fills his people and they, they begin to follow Jesus and they're anointed with and empowered by the spirit, their life together in some way is going to embody the principles that show up here in Acts chapter 2. And so what's a church that is filled with the spirit like? Well, it's like this. It's like this church that's described in Acts 2, 42 through the end of the chapter. And notice we get four key things there in Acts 2.42 that kind of summarize their life together, their worship together. We get uh, that they were continually devoting themselves. Notice that they're continually devoting themselves. This is not an occasional thing, a random thing, a once here and there thing. This is their, this is, this is their whole life is devoted to this, to the apostles' teaching. That means not to just that the apostles are teaching. It means what the apostles taught. So they're devoted to the teaching of the apostles, which is recorded for us today in the New Testament. And so 
we can, we can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching by saturating ourselves with the scriptures and hearing how the apostles taught the scriptures and reading their letters and all of that. That's the apostles' teaching. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they were devoted to, the, to fellowship, um, which is a biblical word, a religious word. The Greek word koinos or koinonia means partnership and a sharing together. And so to fellowship means to share life together, to being in partnership with each other, partnership in the gospel, partnership in the ministry and message of Jesus, sharing life together. They're true sharing and in partnership together to the breaking of bread uh, which includes eating together. We'll see that in the description, having mealtime together, but also probably this phrase seems in Acts at times to refer specifically to also taking communion together, the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus and celebrating his life, his death, his resurrection with the bread and the wine together. And so they're eating together and celebrating communion in that context together. And to the prayers, to regular daily prayers in the temple at the hour of prayers, to prayers in their homes, to prayers together. Those four things, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, marked their life together. This really was the heart of their liturgy, if you will. It was the heart of their order of service, the heart of their worship were these four things. And then coming out of verse 42, um, Luke just, just kind of describes life together. The apostles are performing miracles, right? Taking place through the apostles. Um, all those who believed, he says in verse 44, were together, literally upon the same things. Like there was unity of heart, unity of mind and soul. It's not like they agreed on everything, but we're in this together. Uh, we are Jesus's people and we're learning how to follow him together. So they were upon the same things. They were together. They had all things in common, like their, their life together included having all things in common, which includes their property, not by force, but voluntary. And notice what he says. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. In other words, those who had property, which means the wealthy, were selling some of their property and taking the proceeds to take care of the needy and those who didn't have as much. This is a radical interruption of the way social clout, social status normally operated in their world as Jews, in our world today, right? Like where the spirit and the gospel has so changed their heart that instead of saying, oh, I'm going to keep getting more and more and more. Look at all my property. I'm going to use it for myself. I'm going to sell that off. And I am actually going to use the proceeds to take care of my fellow Christians who have needs. That's what they were doing together. They were selling and they were sharing with anyone who might have a need. And they were day by day continuing with one mind in the temple. So they're meeting in the temple and they're praying and they're worshiping and they're listening to the apostles teach and they're growing in their new understanding of Jesus together. They're breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together. So we get this idea of breaking bread and taking meals, eating together. And in that context, as we already noted, probably taking communion together at times and remembering Jesus and celebrating him. And they're praising God and they're having favor with all the people. The fellow Jews are like, they're just amazed. And there's a sense of favor upon them. And the, the net effect is the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. People are being drawn to them because of this, this new way of life, this love, this grace, this celebration, this sense of excitement together. Um, now, obviously, 
the culture was different, right? This was early on in church history. As I said, not every church could do this, right? You had normal life stuff. Uh, their culture was much more communal than, say, my culture in America. And yet the principles that I think we see here for the church are powerful. Obviously, those four key components of their worship life, right? The apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. Um, those are huge. But what we see in their life together in the description of 43 through 47, what we see here is we see unity. Like they're unified. They're on the same things. They're together in life and ministry and mission. Um, that we see generosity, and so that principle is huge, that when the Spirit comes and draws people together around Jesus and the gospel, there's this generosity, even radical generosity, selling off some of their extra, making sure people who don't have as much are taken care of. And again, this is voluntary, right? This is not like enforced socialism or communism or anything like that. This is just voluntary. Right? There's so much love that it's like, I've got extra. I don't need all of this. How can I help you who don't have enough? And so, and, and this also implies that they know who has needs somehow, right? Like they, there's some way of people communicating they have a need and other people meeting that need. And so there's enough like relationship and enough organization behind it that there's some way this generosity meeting needs. And so this radical generosity, there's this sense of deep relationship and companionship. They're eating together. They're breaking bread together. They're praising God together, right? That they're, they are together in one mind. There's a sense of deep family, deep community, deep relationship, deep one another-ness. And the New Testament letters appeal to that on almost every page. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Like one anotherness is this key principle that's at the heart of church life. So this one anotherness, this companionship, relationship, and, and then you even see growth that they're, the Lord is adding. They're, they're not, it's not like they have some really cool church growth campaign, they're living out their life together with such authenticity and genuineness that the Lord is adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. These these principles really are uh, ought to be embodied in whatever church um, is truly following Jesus. And if I could just be vulnerable and honest for a moment, man, I I get discouraged at times when I look at at least the church in my country. I know we have people listening to this podcast all over the world, and I'm just not familiar with churches in your your country. So maybe what I'm about to say doesn't speak to your country. But in my country here in America, I get discouraged at times because it seems like we put so much of our energy into what I call church as event church as the Sunday morning event. We put so much of our time and our money and our resources into uh, planning and preparing and staffing and producing church as event that church as what's described in Acts chapter 2 just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen intuitively. It doesn't happen intrinsically. And then in American culture, we're so isolated and we're so individualistic that everything sociologically and culturally is working against one anothering, right? That, that we have to work really hard at that. That's going to be incredibly countercultural. It's going to be across the grain, the busyness of life, the isolationness of life. Man, it's just, that's hard. And so I look at this and I think, 
this is a picture. Though this is one church and it's not like, you know, prescriptive of what every church needs to do it just like this, but we can learn some things. And when we look at the letters and we see them enjoining on us, calling us to some of the same kinds of things we see here, we need to figure that out. How can we be more generous? Not just generous in giving our tithe to a religious organization, but generous in meeting the needs of each other as God's people. How can we be generous with our time and our energy so that there can be a companion? How can we be generous with our homes so that our homes are more open for uh, breaking bread together and taking our meals together and praising God together from house to house. What would that look like? And how could we do that more? And these, these principles, these features, I think, challenge us to prayerfully think about if we really humbled ourselves under King Jesus, we asked the Spirit of Jesus to fill us and show us how we can be his people, it's going to look something like this. What would that look like? What would it look like for us to be a church that was full of the Spirit in our cultural context, in our time and place, in our point in history, what would it look like, though, for us to be a church that in some way the Spirit has really gotten a hold of us so that we don't consider our things our own, our time isn't our own, that we more naturally are, are connected together and we love each other and we serve each other and we bear one another's burdens together. And it's more about church as people than church as event. It's more about church as people than church as organization. It's more about church as full of the love of Jesus, celebrating the goodness and the wisdom of Jesus together by saturating ourselves and listening to the apostles' teaching and processing that together and then figuring out how to live it out together. What would that look like and how could we do that? Man, Acts chapter 2, I think, provides a challenging picture for us to reflect on and then to begin to examine our own experience of church and what could we do to maybe take steps to move more close to the church we see here in the book of Acts. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible and Life. I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Welcome to The Bible and Life podcast. Hope it's helpful to you and hope you stick around, check out some of the past episodes and stick with us as we walk through the book of Acts and look at some of these snapshots that I think really call us to examine who we are as followers of Jesus, both individually and corporately as the church. Not only that, thanks to those of you who make this ministry possible by your faithful support. Uh, the Bible in Life is in so many ways a crowdfunded ministry. And so you are doing a lot of good in the world by your generosity to this ministry, helping people all around the world uh, study the word, reflect on the word, think about the word of God together. And so thanks for your support. I couldn't do it without you. God bless you. Thanks to each and every one of you who are here for this episode. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again. Next.